0: Well, hey guys, happy Sunday and welcome to Mechanicsville Church of Christ. Um, We are so grateful that you have chosen to take part of your Sunday to spend it with us this morning in worship. Um, If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Hannah. My husband, Will, is a senior minister here. Um, And I have the privilege of getting to greet you this morning. So whether you're here with us in person for the first time, or whether you've been here a long time. um, We're so glad you're here, whether you're here in the building or whether you're part of our online community. Thank you so much for joining us. If it is your first Sunday, we would love it if you take a second to text welcome to the number that will be on the screen. It just gives our staff a chance to connect with you and help you find a way to plug into our community. But we're so excited um, for the message that we have to share this morning. And we're so glad that you've chosen to be with us.
1: I thought it would be fun, as I often will talk about my wife and my family from the stage, um, I thought it would be fun to have Hannah do an introduction and for us to tell a little bit of our story as we get started this morning, because it's pretty applicable to uh, to what we're going to be talking about. Uh, some of you may know the story. Many of you were here three and a half years ago uh, when we got married. Um, But we thought we would just share it with everybody because there are some new faces, our our church online community, and we would just share a little bit of our story. Five years ago, I had just joined the staff here and I was single and Eric got really, really, really tired of hearing me complain about bad first dates. And so he said, I know this girl and you should meet her. Shout out to Eric. (laughs) And at the time that he kept trying to convince me to ask her out, you weren't even single.
0: That was a big part of the problem for most of Eric's uh,
1: pressuring. So he finally arranged a time for me to attend as a church leader, a ministry that she was co-leading and kind of an informational session for churches, for pastors. And so I went and Eric asked, he
0: knew who I was for this know. I did not know who he was. She
1: did not know what was happening. I knew who she was for sure. And so Eric asked me the next day, Hey, what'd you think about the girl? And I said, dude, I don't know what you were thinking. There is no way this is going to work out. (laughs) She was rude. She kept interrupting the person she was co-leading with. Like, there is no way. Like, how in the world did you think this was going to be a good idea? What I didn't know.
0: The person I was co-leading with love you, Ryan, um, It's my brother, who was very unprepared for that meeting. So type A, Hannah had to fill in some gaps.
1: And then I would flash back to my relationship with my sister, and things make a little bit more sense when you put it in that context. But it was still a first impression, and Eric had to talk me into a first date. I, I was not in. I did not really want a first date. But after two more bad first dates... I finally said, okay, okay, I'll give her a chance. And we met on a Sunday night, 6 p.m. It was actually after a leadership meeting that we had here. I remember this very clearly. 6 p.m., we met at Panera, and we, they closed at 9 p.m., and at 9 p.m., they had to kick us out, and we stayed on the back patio area talking for another hour until 10 o'clock. And I wasn't gonna, I'm not going to say I was all in at that point, because I was, certainly was not. But I knew that this was a girl that I wanted to date after that first date. I don't think you were quite there.
0: So he thought he'd been pretty smooth. When I had gotten his text actually asking me to a coffee, I looked. I was out with a couple of friends. And I looked at them and said the words to them, I know how this one ends. Turns out, I did not know how this one ended. Um, but after the first date, I had fun. But I felt like I had been on a job interview for a job I was certainly not applying for. Um, I was very clear with Jesus on the fact that I grew up a pastor's daughter and did not want to be a pastor's wife. That was not part of the equation. So I had a very fun first date. I loved first dates. It was a great chance to get to know people. But I had no intention really of a second because I was not going to be a pastor's wife.
1: So Eric had to talk me into a first date with Hannah. Thankfully, Eric's wife Jillian talked Hannah into a second date with me
0: <laughs> So we ran into each other at a birthday party not long after and she was like how to go are you gonna Go back out and I was like it was great He's so nice. Um really appreciate you guys setting us up super fun really nice guy Um, I think I'm probably a lot for him like probably way too much Um, but he's really nice. It was fun. And she was like well, I think he's gonna ask you on a second date And I was like Oh know we'll see um and so she says to me she goes no i don't think you're too much because he has a sister who's a lot like you she prepped him for you so thanks Michaela." Um, so i'm like okay i would go on a second date i would do it so we do
1: so our second date was downtown richmond and our first date lasted four hours our second date lasted five hours we went for a walk around brown island um, we played life-size jenga and connect four
0: i wanted all of them
1: she won all of them <laughs> Our third date lasted six hours, four, five, and six. I don't remember any dates after that, but I remembered that I thought it was going very well. Fast forward almost three months after our first date, and I was pretty convinced I love this girl. And so it might have been a bit early, it might have been a bit soon, but I went ahead and told her, I love you. To which she replied,
0: What I think is a very reasonable response, I said, thank you. (laughs) And what does that mean to you?
1: So I explained that I really liked her. I was not necessarily convinced that we would get married. I wasn't all in it to, to that degree, but I believe love is a choice. I believe we make a decision to love people. And I said, from this moment on, I'm gonna choose to love you. And my love for you will grow until we either die of old age together because we're married for a really long time or until we break up before we get married. And so I said, I love you, and told her that was what it meant. And it took her another two and a half months to finally say it back that she loved me.
0: So I had a little plan for a trip that we were taking where I was gonna give him this letter that told him that you know I was all in, he had convinced me, whatever, whatever, I love you. Um, And then I got really sick, and so we had another trip planned the next week, so I was like, we'll just wait till this weekend. But on the way, to the wedding where I was going to give him this letter, Will had apparently gone a little further all in um, and shared with me on the way some news.
1: I said I'd like to marry her, but I can't do that till she tells me that she loves me. That seems like it's an important piece to to marriage, to a relationship. Um, Really, this whole time I'm flirting with that line of crazy or like I'm just all in quicker than, than you were. And it was... I think it was within two weeks after we got back from that trip where she said that she loved me, that I went with Jillian because I know nothing about engagement rings. And I started looking at engagement rings. And I purchased one, I think the very night that I was with Jillian, two weeks after you said that you love me. Crazy. (laughs) By the end of that year, I had proposed... And seven months later, we stood up in front, actually right outside here, and many of you were there, where we said, I do, and we both said that we're all in.
0: So a lot of you have been married a lot longer than we have, Um, but I'm sure that anybody who has been married for any length of time knows that marriage is not a walk in the park. There are days where it is easy, and there are days where it is intensely difficult. Um, and something that we have learned in our short time of marriage is that there are days just like early in our dating relationship where one of us is all in and where one of us is struggling. Or there are days where we're both all in, there are seasons where it's harder for one of us to be all in than it is for the other. Um, and so one thing that we've learned and I'm sure any married folks in the audience are familiar with is that sometimes we just have to look each other in the eyes and remind ourselves that on the good days and on the bad days, we're all in. all in.
1: And I wanted us to tell some of our story because I do talk about marriage a lot. I talk about family a lot because I feel like it's relatable. A lot of you are married, a lot of you are in families, a lot of you have seen marriages and you 've seen marriages thrive, and you 've seen marriages struggle. But the real purpose of all that is that we we seem to be all in to marriages. we seem to be all into to things in this world, but really the same is true when we come to faith, that Christ has asked us to be all in. And the question that I have for us this morning is, are you all in? When it comes to your relationship with God, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, which should take precedent more than the most important human relationship we have in this world, which is marriage, are you all in? And I know that there are some today who, who are struggling and don't have a relationship with Jesus. Someone has drugged you here. You're tuning in online, and, and maybe someone has invited you, but you're not wanting to come yet, but you're tuning in just to see what this is all about, and, and you're not all in yet. You're just asking questions. Some of you are new to your relationship with Jesus, and you're just starting out on this journey, and, and you're not all in yet because you don't know quite what you have signed up for. And you know what? That's okay. Because as we look in Scripture, we see a journey that Jesus took his disciples on, and they weren't all in at the beginning either. But they stuck it out, they hung in there, and by the end, they were. And some of you have been believers for a really long time. Some of you have been believers for 30, 40, 50 plus years And a few months ago, we talked about four-chair discipleship, right? We looked at the first chair, which is before we have a relationship with Jesus. We looked at the fourth chair, which is a devote follower of Jesus at all costs, where you're all in. And we talked about how sometimes when we get to this fourth chair, sometimes we get comfortable, sometimes we get a little complacent, and let's be honest, sometimes we just get a bit lazy. Lazy. And so we slack, and we don't do what we need to in our faith to make sure that we are all in. And so this morning, I want us to talk about what it looks like to be all in. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples are going along the way, and someone comes up to Jesus, and he says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says in Luke 9, 58, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head And then Jesus turns and he looks at someone else and he says, you follow me. And they responded in verse uh, 59, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as far as you go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And we don't read much about their response, but someone else pipes up. and, And in Luke 9, 61, he says, I will follow you, Lord. But first, permit me to go and say goodbye to those at home. Now he expects his Jesus's response here maybe to be a little different because the traditional Jewish burial uh, uh, time frame could have been months. It could have been that his dad was just sick. He couldn't have even uh, may have still been alive at this point. Like the the burial process took a lot longer than it does today. So so this guy is just asking. Let me just go say goodbye. Let me just tell them what's happening. I don't need need months. Let Let me just go and have a little bit of time to say goodbye. And Jesus says this to everyone who's around. He says in verse 62, No one, after putting his hand on the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now keep in mind the context in which Jesus is saying this. There's no cell phones. There's no Twitter or Facebook where you can say, Hey guys, following Jesus, be back and see in a little while. There, there's no, hey, I'm going to take some pictures and upload it to Instagram to let you know that things are going well, that, that I'm, I'm on a good journey here, that things, things are happening and, and what I'm doing. No, no. Jesus says to, to leave everything, to follow him in this culture where they couldn't communicate that quickly at all. And he demands everything Immediately. And I wish, I wish that there was just a piece here that, that was unique to this passage. Well, because of the people who ask, or maybe this is the only place we see this. So there's, there's more going on that we don't know about, but, but that's not the case because in Matthew chapter 10, he says, Jesus says, he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. This isn't unique to one passage. This isn't unique to one group of people or or, or one story that happened at one point. in. No, No, this is a call for at all costs for us to be all in in our relationship with Christ. No ifs, ands, or buts. We are called to be all in. Jesus even goes as far to say to take up your cross and follow him. And he He exemplified what he meant by that. It wasn't just to wear a necklace of a cross around your neck or to get a cross tattoo to show that you're a Christian or to make sure that you, hey, I want everyone to know, I'm going to share this picture on Facebook. I want to make sure everyone knows I'm a Christian. I'm going to wear this title of Christian so you know I'm a Christian. No, no, he exemplified what it meant to pick up your cross, to follow him when he picked up his cross and drug it to the place where he would be crucified. There's no other meaning here. Paul picks up on this several places in the letters that he writes. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Paul says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come." And again, I wish that maybe, maybe Jesus didn't say this, but one time, Paul picked up on this one thing that's that's kind of minor that that maybe we don't need to emphasize so much, but. Again, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, right before he said all the hard things earlier, he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. But after we've been around a little bit, after we see what Christ has to offer, after we have have observed in the second and third chair a little bit, then we get to the fourth chair, we get to this place in our relationship with Christ as a disciple of Christ, and he, he expects that we're all in. That we're all in 100%. That every single day we wake up, we say, God, help me to live for you today and not myself. Help me to think your thoughts, not mine. And I could go on for a whole year sermon series of what this means to be all in. People for generations, for, for centuries have written and spoken about what it means to be all in. People from the beginning of, of the writing of the New Testament have asked this question, okay, you, you want us to be all in, you want us to give everything, but, but practically in, in my life, in, in my world, with my family, my job, and everything else that I have to do, what does that look like? And we try to simplify it. We try to boil it down. We try to say, well, well, this is thing is the most important and there's this other thing. And, and we can't do that. Jesus had a three-year ministry roughly based on estimates and he still at the end of three years told his followers, I have so much more to teach you, but I don't have the time. So I'm going to send the Spirit, I'm going to send a helper who will will speak to you and tell you the things that I have still to teach you. And if Jesus couldn't do it in three years, I don't think I can do it on 30 minutes on a Sunday. Or on 30 minutes on a Sunday for 100 years. But it doesn't stop us from trying, does it? Often we'll boil it down and someone will say, well, it is all about love. The two greatest commandments, right? Love God, love people. It's all about love. And someone else will say, yeah, that, that's an impie- important piece of it, but but it's also about holiness. And holiness encompasses love. And it's about holiness and pursuing holiness because because God is holy. He is perfect. And, and we are to pursue holiness in, in our lives, in our actions, in our words, in our thought, in our heart. That, that we are to pursue holiness. And and that's, that's fantastic. But then someone else will come along and say, yeah, yeah, but there's still more to it than that. And it's it's, it's being and it's not doing. It's understanding what happened to us and not what we have to do for others. And, and it's just a big cycle that continues and continues because we can't actually boil it down of what it means to be all in. While that is still the expectation. So I have one word for you this morning. I have one word for you, and not to boil everything down, not to boil everything down of what it means to be all in, not to boil down the entire New Testament or Bible, but I have one word for you this morning, and that word is grace. Grace. Grace that covers us when we try our best and we still fall short. Grace that when we strive our hardest to get it right and still miss something that's important still covers us. Grace that means that it's not about doing, it's about being. Grace that means we are loved by God and we can love others with the same love that he showed us. Grace that encompasses so much and means that we are still human and we make mistakes. In a few short weeks, on January 9th, we are going to change our name from Mechanicsville Church of Christ to Grace Christian Church. We had a congregational meeting back in June and we voted on this. And this was what, what was the, the overwhelming majority was, was Grace Christian. And far be it from us to change our name to Grace and not understand Grace, not experience Grace and not be Grace To others. It's such an important piece of what we have got to do in this building and in the community outside of these walls is that we have to extend grace to others. We have to incorporate grace into our lives and know that that we don't have to be perfect. We strive for it. We strive for holiness. We strive to do everything the way God has asked us to, but we're human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall short. And Romans says that the wages of sin is is death. And the beautiful thing of grace is that Jesus came and he said, yes, you, you sin. We all sin. You all of all of humanity sins. And you deserve death. And because we serve a God of justice, he's not letting us off the hook. But he stepped into our world and says, I'm going to take your punishment for you. And instead of death, I'm going to give you life. And there's a lot of ways that that we've talked over the last years about what last year what, what grace means and and trying to pull it into to reality because it's just such a hard concept to to internalize and to be in this world. But it's almost like we get punched in the gut and we just take it and we say to the person who punched us, can I buy you a pizza? That's grace. And that's what this world needs. And that's what we have to be, and we have to realize ourselves internally at a deep level. And we need to be in our community. You know, we're not perfect. We're going to make some mistakes along the way. And we have made some mistakes along the way. We're not changing our name to get away from anything in the past because we're trying to cover up something where we have a, of a terrible reputation or, or anything like that that we're trying to get away from. We're, we're changing to be more reflective of who we are in our name and to distinguish ourselves a little bit from the other MCC that's across the road. Uh, we have several people who have showed up even this year expecting non-instrumental worship because of Church of Christ and the traditional understanding that Church of Christ is non-instrumental. And we felt this was a little bit more reflective of who we are. But it's not just the Church of Christ or Christian piece that we need to make sure we're exemplifying. It's the grace piece also. If you look around, if you've noticed, if you've been here for the last two years, our numbers are a little lower than they have been. Two years ago at this point in 2019, we were running about 175 We had, in worship, about 130 to 35, 140, somewhere in that area, and the rest were the children's volunteers and and children in our kids' ministry program. So far in 2021, we have averaged about 70. I went through the roles this last week, and I found 66 people from the beginning of 2020 till now Who aren't here. Who don't attend worship. Who, who are not joining us on any kind of regular basis. Church online community. Um, it's, it's just hard to know who is joining us online. If, if you were coming in person and now you're just online, it's just hard to know that. Um, unless there are regular likes and comments and shares and and things like that where your name would pop up. Um, and so it's hard to take church online into, into account with this. But not all of them were bad. Um, We had three families, four families that just moved away. The job took them elsewhere. Uh, Mark and Pam retired back in June of 2020, and there are two people who just aren't here anymore because of of the retirement. But there are some people who have left in that time frame who didn't have a grace experience here. I've talked to a couple who no one talked to them their first time here. Not a word. Talk to a family who their first time here, back when we were up in the sanctuary, there was a family that sat behind them and they heard them very loudly say something along the lines of, well, we normally sit one row ahead, but that was taken in a very kind of sarcastic tone. There's been a couple who has left because they did feel belittled and humiliated and hurt by people here. And I say that not to get us down but to point out that we're not perfect. That we think we're friendly, we think we're full of grace and of course you guys do, you're still here. But that's not been everyone's experience and it needs to be. I also say that knowing how much good has come from this church. And I need to go back and I, I want to count and see how many baptisms we've had in the 63 years and how many people have gone off to do mission work and and start and and run ministries like Josh Smith and College Ministries of Virginia the mission trips that we've been on, the the number of dollars that we have raised for community organizations and Pregnancy Resource Center and and other places that that we've supported that you support through your giving, through your time, through your generosity in all kinds of ways. It's been amazing. Truly has been amazing. And I say all of that in greater light of what we see in Scripture when God changes the name of someone. Someone. In Genesis chapter 11, we see a man by the name of Abram. We don't know anything about Abram. He shows up in a genealogy, in a a family lineage trail, and there's Abram. And then the very first thing we read about Abram is in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where God calls him and says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, from your family and and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make you... I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And we don't know anything about Abram at this point. He shows up out of the blue and God calls him and he does. He goes. And for the next several years, he faithfully follows God and he makes mistakes. He messes up. He's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There's some pretty big mistakes actually that he makes. But he's faithfully following God for years. And then in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, God comes back and he says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be Abraham. For I've made you the father of a multitude of nations. It was his faithfulness. It was his willingness to follow God. Not his perfection. Not the things that he did but his willingness to follow God no matter what, that God came and said, hey, I'm going to change your name and I'm going to do something great in you and through you for this world. Church, I am convinced, beyond convinced, that God is moving and he's going to do something special in this church and for this community through this church in the next little bit. I'm beyond convinced of it. Let me tell you why. Six years ago, before I was on staff, Mark had this idea to change the name of the church. He prayed about it a lot. I think it came from a conference that he attended where the church changed their name to Compassion Christian Church. And so when I came here, he told me about the idea, and I think it was my second elders' meeting when he brought up the idea to our elders. Over five years ago, he brought up this idea to change our name to Compassion Christian Church. And it was discussed, and over the course of the next three to four years, it was discussed some more here and there. And then before he announced his retirement, he said, hey, I think this is something we need to seriously consider. And we added a little fuel to the fire, and we are where we are now. This has not been a decision that's come lightly. This has not been a decision that has come without prayer. This is not a decision that was made overnight. And I believe the seeds for this were planted and it was watered and it grew over years for this precise moment. This moment where we don't have everyone that we did two years ago. And so I'm here to ask you the question, are you all in? Are you all in? Because we have a children's program that needs volunteers. We have a student ministry that needs youth sponsors. It just so happened this morning that I got a text message from a couple who was supposed to be greeters that they they were sick. They couldn't greet this morning. We need greeters. We need people to volunteer and to serve. And now with fewer people than we had two years ago. But I'm also very cautious because being involved and being all in at a church is not the same thing from being all in with your faith. Can we just make that clear? From volunteering and serving with your time, being here, being involved is not the same thing from being all in with your, fa- your with your faith. In fact, I know of a gentleman in Cincinnati who he went to church almost every single week. He and his wife both tithed 10% of their paychecks and gave it to this church. There were even the occasions that he came to church without her to serve and to help out and to be active in the church. But when he was asked to pray or to lead a Bible study, he said, no, I, I appreciate it. I don't actually believe in God. He hadn't actually accepted Christ, but he was there. He showed up because he loved his wife. And she was a believer. And he willingly came. She she didn't even have to force him to come. He willingly came and he encouraged and supported her to the best of his ability but he was not a follower of Jesus. Church, I know that being involved here does not mean that that you are all in with your faith with God. But here's what does happen. You can volunteer and be a part of the children's ministry teaching team. You can support by by helping get things together. You can be an, an aide, I think is those what we have. We have a teacher and an aide in every class and, and, and you can you can volunteer for that and you can come, you can show up, you can fill a spot and you can go home and that's fantastic. Or if you're really all in with your faith, then you'll make an effort to know the kids' names, to know what pizza toppings they like, to know who their friends in school are. And then there'll be this moment when you're teaching them and you're trying to explain in a way they understand the deep truths of God that their eyes get big and a smile comes on their face and they get it. It clicks. And they'll ask you to baptize them. And then a couple decades later, you'll see them grow up and get married and have kids and and pour into their kids and, and you'll see the ripple effects of your investment into their lives. Or if you serve with our student ministry as a youth sponsor with middle school and high schoolers. I mean, that's tough, right? Middle schoolers. whoo. But if you do that and you're all in with your faith, then what happens inevitably is that is that, that a student will bring their friend. A student will bring their friend. And you will see the most amazing thing ever when the student gets to baptize their friend into Christ. And then it gets even better as the friend invites their parents and the parents start coming. And then the student's friend gets to baptize the parents. Guys, I've seen this happen and it's amazing. All because you didn't just show up and click a bo- uh, check a box and then just punch a clock and just do what we, we need someone to do. but But because you were all in with your faith and you took this as a ministry. And because your faith was deep, because you were all in with Christ, it poured over into your work here in the church. Or maybe you're a greeter. And seven, eight years from now, someone comes and says, Hey, do you remember that first day that we met? Like, honestly, don't have a clue. And they explain that, well, (laughs) I was having a pretty rough season of life. And I don't know why, but I felt like I should come and give it one more chance. And you greeted me at the front door, and you came and you sat with me, and you asked me out to lunch, and, and I know I said no, but that's just because I couldn't hold back the tears. And I came back the next week, and you remembered my name, and you sat with me. And I didn't plan on coming back that next week because I wasn't planning on being here anymore. And because of your compassion, and because of your grace, and because of the love I felt in this place, and I kept hanging in there. So thank you. You might think that just as a Kidsville check-in person that you're standing there and your job is just a job that needs to be done. But you see... Parents, you see kids come through every single week. And maybe one week things just look off. Maybe it's just mom when it's been mom and dad. Maybe it's just dad when it's been both. Maybe you just sense that there's some tension. Maybe you just feel in your spirit like something is just off and you don't know what it is. So you, you pull them aside at some point later. And you just say, hey, I just want you to know that we're praying for you, that we love you, we support you. And if you need anything at all, you just, you just let me know. And tears start coming down their eyes. It's not about what we need to happen here and to, to fill a position, to have a program. We're not here just to go through the motions and just to do things. We're here to extend the kingdom of God and to be all in. And so I ask you, church, are you all in? Can you show up and do a trunk when we do trunk or treat? Can you be intentional about remembering names? Can you be intentional about having a smile on your face because in your soul you're just so overwhelmed with what God has done in your life? Can everything we do in this church, in our lives, in this world, be based in the fact that we are all in in our faith with Christ. Are you all in? Father God, I am so, so thankful for the grace that you have shown us, for the love that you have shown us, for the... For the extent to which you went and you came and you said, yeah, you have some mistakes. You're not doing things right, but you took the penalty of death for us. And God, in a similar way, may we have the courage and strength to intercede on someone else's behalf. May we have the boldness and the courage to step into the world of others, into the world of, of, of children's ministry or student ministry or, or greeting or, or the lives of people who are in our church sitting next to us that we can say, I'm in this with you because God is in this with me. God, may we take our faith seriously. If we've been in the fourth chair and slacking for whatever reason, God, kick us in the blood. Get us moving and recommitting to be all in. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.